Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode. I'm really excited about today's guest, Chris Fenning. He is an entrepreneur, he's an influencer, he's an author of The First Minute, Effective Email, and he's got a new book coming out that he's going to talk about, Making Training Stick. And today's conversation is all about business marketing, and I love having entrepreneurs such as Chris on the show. So welcome, Chris. Thank you, Dr. Liu. It's a real pleasure to be here. Yeah. Uh, all my friends call me Chris, so please do the same. I hate the doctor title anyway. So um, I, I will do that. We'll, we can have a Chris, Chris conversation. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, I love um, setting the stage, talking about, you know, your superhero story and how you got to be doing what you're doing. Oh, I've never heard it called a superhero story before. I really like that. That's, <laughs> uh, can, I, can I use that as an intro for others? Yes, that's sure. <laughs> that's brilliant. My superhero story. Well, in true Clark Kent fashion, I came crashing to earth in a meteorite. No, my, my story is a lot like many of the guests that have been on your show. I was full-time employed doing normal everyday jobs. I was a project manager. I was a business analyst for a while. And over a period of about 20 years, I ended up leading a large IT department and a project management office as well for a pretty large American company. And that got me to a point where I'd, well, I was burning out. It's a very used phrase, but I was actually hospitalized through illness um, due to stress. I, I wasn't coping with my job very well. It wasn't the job. It was the job and me uh, not quite melding uh, as well as they could. And that happened at a time when my wife and I wanted to leave the States and come back to Europe. And some of my friends were poking me and saying, hey, you're good at this uh, entrepreneur stuff and you're really good at communication. I'd been teaching it in my job. I'd been teaching it to my teams, uh, my department, to other departments in the company. And all those things came together. And I thought, well, it's a, it's a good time to take a chance, make a leap. And throughout my life, I've always been both curious and practical. And those two things combined with my interest in communication pointed me towards communication skills, and that is why I now spend pretty much all my time helping other people in jobs find practical, simple ways to communicate clearly in everyday situations. Yeah, I love that. Um, and I love um, talking to communicators and creatives, influencers. And so, you know, I love talking about themes. So first theme is called Starting Conversations. And you wrote your first book, The First Minute and you emphasize the importance of the initial moments and why is the first minute so crucial and 
talk about that. Well, it's crucial because if you get it wrong, everything else is harder. Everything else is harder. Think of think of a situation when you've been listening to someone, they've come and they've started talking to you in a work situation. So this is all work-based communication. Someone is talking to you and a couple of minutes in, you're thinking, why are you talking to me? <laughs> and maybe you say, I'm sorry, I'm just not quite sure what the topic is. Can you let me know? And then they answer and you go, oh, that's what we're talking about. Um, okay, do you mind if we go back and start again? That situation means you've not only wasted they've wasted your time, they've wasted their own time, you have to go back through the, the content again. In that period, you could have misunderstandings, wrong assumptions, all of it's wasted because they didn't get it right from the start. Whereas if you get the first minute right, everything else becomes easier, conversations are shorter, clearer, and you're much more likely to get the outcome that you need from that conversation. Oh, I love that. It's kind of like you, if you set yourself up in that first minute, it's everything is easier, but you know, you kind of dig yourself in a hole, then it's a lot harder. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. And there are three things that we need. We actually need that. There's a bunch of science behind this and I won't go down that rabbit hole. I love it. I geek out on it. Just if anyone listening to this is interested, get in touch. I'll point you towards the science for it. But there are three things we need to be able to focus on what someone is saying to us and to be able to understand what they want from us and why the conversation is happening. <laughs> and the first is context. What is the topic that we're talking about? Because Chris, if I came up and, and talked to you about something, I know what it is. It's in my head. I'm already planning it. You have no idea. You could be thinking about your next client, a budget report, your family, what's for lunch. You could be thinking about anything. So if I come up and say, hey, I need to talk to you about next week, you might think it's the, the coffee that we're arranging for Tuesday. And I might be thinking, it's the client report that's needed for Friday, which on completely different pages. Yeah. So we need context and then we need intent. Why am I talking to you? What is it that I expect, need or want you to do with this information? And if we don't do that right at the beginning, our brains and the person listening to us literally doesn't know how to process the information. I, I could talk about that for a very long time, but there's, there's something called working memory or short term memory we don't tell people what to do with the information in the first 15 to 20 seconds, they will just either assume it's quite likely to be wrong, or all they'll be thinking about is, why are you telling me this? Why are you telling me this? And then the third and final thing that we need is some kind of anchor or headline that tells us what the most important thing is. So it's a, it's a headline or a very, very short summary of what the conversation is about. And we can then use that to interpret everything else in the conversation. So we mm. need those three things right at the start. If you don't give them, you're going to go back and replay parts of it. There'll be confusion. If you do give them, you'll have the focus, the attention, and the understanding of the person that, that you want to talk to. Mm. Yeah, I love that. It's kind of like psychologically setting people up for effective. Um, second theme is summarizing skills, and you have a knack for simplifying concept complex ideas just like you did previously and um, kind of demonstrate this skill, maybe something complex from your field or um, kind of give an example. Oh, absolutely. Never as people as opposed to being anything else. We're never taught how to summarize things. And we have a default setting. And that setting is 
I need to know a lot of stuff to be able to understand the thing I'm going to talk to you about. Therefore, you need to know all of the same things. And it's wrong. It's completely wrong. And the reason we do it is we think the audience needs to understand detail to be able to interpret whatever we need. Mm -hmm. If I was going to pitch an idea to you, I could say, Chris, I've come up with, I've come up with the most amazing thing. What I've done is I found a way to turn the energy that comes out of the air into a particular type of motion and it goes through this membrane and then I feed it through this copper contraption and detail, detail, detail. Or I can say, hey, I've got a magic box that enables you to talk to somebody a hundred miles away. One of those is very simple. The other one is a close to literal description of an, of an old school telephone with a cable that goes through, through the ground or even a new telephone. Yeah. So simplifying the complex, one of the easiest ways to do it is strip out the detail and strip out how something works and talk about what it does for the person you're talking to. Uh -huh. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating because, uh, you know, we're going to talk about communication in tech and technical among professionals. And especially um, it reminds me of like Steve Wozniak. He was like the he could do all the gadgets and then Steve Jobs was the marketer and he could sell it in kind of, you know, the iPhone. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> it's Apple is I cringe a little bit as I use Apple as an example because it's so overused. <laughs> but going back, God, I guess it like 20 plus years now to when the iPod came out. So the Apple iPod was one of the last mp3 players one of the last music players to be developed they weren't the first now most people think oh they were the first they were the best they were revolutionary they weren't they were something like fifth microsoft had something i think it was hewlett packard or dell had something what was different about the ipod was two things one it was beautifully designed and it was about aesthetics and usability but the second thing was, as you mentioned, it was how Steve Jobs pitched it. All previous MP3 players were pitched like this. We have a music device. It is 520 megabytes, or at the time it might have just been four megabytes. It's got four megabytes of this, and it's this fast, and you can plug your three and a half millimeter jack headphone socket into it. And it's red, and it's made out of titanium, and it's great. That's how they were all pitched and sold. Steve Jobs got on the stage and said, I can put a thousand songs in your pocket and you can take them wherever you go. Nothing about the technology, all about what does it do for the end person. He mm. simplified a complex thing and did it by saying, this is what it does for you in a way that you will care about. That is simple and it, you can understand it. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And kind of picking back off that topic is, why is there a stereotype that tech professionals struggle with communications, you know, you have the kind of the developer and how do you approach breaking this stereotype in your training in books? Uh, why does the stereotype exist? Unfortunately, partly because of arrogance on behalf of anyone who is not technical because they believe that they can communicate better than technical people. They can't. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm both. I have an engineering background and a lot of business experience in, in employed life. And there's no difference in either side's ability to communicate. Technical people aren't worse. They happen to have a lot more of the how and the detail 
and they need specifics. A lot of jobs, software development needs specifics to be able to produce the right thing. Whereas business teams have a lot more flexibility in the in the way they can communicate. In there's there's sort of more flexibility in their in their areas of expertise. Still, just experts in their roles. Still, just as qualified. But there's less specificity in in what's needed. So there's an arrogance that people who aren't technical say, "Oh, well, we're we're just better and they're bad." I don't believe that's true. I think it looks like technical people are worse because they have this weight of detail. And as I mentioned earlier, we all fall into the trap of you need to understand how the thing works to be able to answer my question or or give me the info that I need. And technical roles, engineering, software development, and so on, analysts have that burden to carry. Yeah. So that's why I believe it happens. As for, for how to get around it, well, there's a few things that anybody can do, whether you're a salesperson, marketing, software developer, financial, work in finance in any way. If you consider, there's sort of a five-part process, and I'll go very quickly because five is a lot to remember. Mm-hmm. Consider your audience. Do they care about the business? Do they care about the, the end user? Or do they care about the detail and, and the expertise behind it? Think about which of those three they care about and then tailor your message to it. Once you've done that, you can identify how to make your message relevant, relatable, simple, and jargon-free. And relevant is is actually quite easy. The way I make any of my messages relevant to you, Chris, is I tell you how they impact you, or they impact something you care about. Not how it works, not what it's not what it's doing in the background, not why I need it. How does it impact you? Yeah. To make it relatable, I have to connect it to something you know. In the classic technical to business side, technical teams might say, well, we're working on the DX35M database over here, which means nothing to the business. If the business calls it the sales system, then that's what the tech team should say. Hey, I'm working on the, on the sales system. Suddenly it makes sense. It's relatable because it's connected to something the business knows. Simple, we've already talked about. I mentioned magic box. I uh, talked about talking about what rather than how. And then the last one, jargon-free, which is what most people want. That's the holy grail of communication, right? Well, if you do these other things, if you consider the audience perspective, if you make it relevant, relatable, and simple, you will be jargon-free, be 80% jargon-free by itself. So Mm. that's how it can be done. So well said. Um, How can people find out more about you? And I know you have a book coming out. Tell us more and how they can reach you and read more about your books. Oh, yes. So all of my books are available wherever you like to buy books, whether it's audiobooks, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, etc. Anywhere you like to buy a book, you can find the first minute or effective emails. If you'd like to get in touch with me, you can find me on my website, chrisfenning.com, my simple one with my name, and my main social hangout is on LinkedIn. And you mentioned the new book. It's, It's behind us here on the shelf, the blue one. I spend a lot of time training in addition to writing and talking I I deliver training and workshops. And one of the big questions that comes up often is, how are you going to make this training stick? When we leave the training room, all the info just falls out of our heads. We go back into old habits. What can I, as a trainer and instructor, do to help the people in these sessions retain and apply what's used? And so this book is called 39 Ways to Make Training Stick. Pretty uh, self-descriptive title there. But the difference between this and most other training books 
is it focuses on what happens after the training. There's loads of good material on how to make a good training session. There's very little on what to do afterwards. Mm. Follow-up emails, follow-up sessions, creating collaborative communities, recognition rewards, self-paced activities. All of these things help make training stick. And this book is a literal guide to creating and using 39 of these different ways. So for anyone who is a trainer or an instructor or in learning and development, this is going to be a must read to really make the most of all the training that you deliver. Yeah. And for all the audience out there, let's thank Chris for coming onto the show. Check out his books. They're on Amazon. The links will be in the show notes. Follow him on LinkedIn. And with that, thanks so much for coming onto the podcast. Thank you, Chris. It's been great to be here.